Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Amen. How do we know the truth? By the Word of God. Amen. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of God shall stand forever. And we are grateful to be back in the Word of God. Thank you for that good special, for the good singing tonight, Brother David. Thanks for the good songs and ladies and all that have contributed to the services this evening. What a blessing it is to be back in the house of the Lord. And so tonight we're studying, continuing our brand new series entitled Mining for Gold. And uh, we realize that Bible study and learning to uh, dig into and find the riches of God's Word is one of the greatest treasures of the Christian life. And be able to discern uh, what God has for you in the Bible on, on your own. Not just uh, hearing it from a pulpit or any of that, but to just be able to go to God's Word and to be able to find God's riches for yourself is one of the greatest blessings in this life. And I want to just, we're going to continue to build upon what we laid last week. Last week was about uh, giving you the vision for what the need is here. But this week we're going to talk about the heart. Because before we can ever begin really digging into the riches of God's Word, it is essential that we realize this is a spiritual work. And consider what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, be sober... Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Remember, Satan is a powerful enemy. But remember a couple of things about him. He is nowhere near as powerful as God. Amen? He's not God's opposite, and he's not God's equal. All right? It's important to remember that. Only a couple of you believe that, but maybe a couple of you will wake up in a moment. But listen, remember, when we think about Satan, he enters into God's presence as God's subordinate. He doesn't enter into God's presence as an equal. He must be per given permission uh, for any of his work. But remember, he is more powerful than us. His power exceeds our own. And so when we enter into Bible study, we need God's help to be able to know and discern truth. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if we're going to rightly divide the word, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth. And that's exactly what John 16, 13 teaches us. He says, albeit when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Isn't that good? Now remember, just, as a, moment, just a moment, if we can, our, our theology here. When we are born again, the moment I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the, that the Spirit of God indwells the believer permanently. Amen. Thank you. All right, good. That's good. That's a good amen spot. All right. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer permanently. 
All right, good, good, good. All right, good. Just making sure we're awake. It's Wednesday night. We're tired. I was talking to David right before church. And I said, man, I love Wednesday, but man, I'm tired on Wednesday. So, so just stay with me. Say amen occasionally. Even if it wakes me up, it'll be good. All right. So when we think about this, the Bible says, as a believer, the Spirit of God indwells me. And then Jesus teaches his disciples that it is this Spirit that indwells you that will guide you into truth. And so if we're going to seek truth, we must prepare our hearts to meet with God in our Bible study. In the Old Testament, Ezra was a scribe, he was a priest, he was a teacher of the law, and he knew the importance of making sure his heart was prepared when he went to seek the Word of God. Listen to what he says in Ezra 7.10. He says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Before he could teach, he had to do it. And before he could live it out, he had to learn it. And before he could learn it, he had to prepare his heart. And it starts right here. We must be people who, uh, when we come to studying our, the Word of God, that we realize there is some preparation that must happen in our heart. And as Ezra prepared his heart, that is when God began to, uh, to use Ezra in a tremendous way. You see, when Christ was here, he talked to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he condemned them for this very thing that they would not do. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13 says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites. Why? And he goes on and explains, For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer, suffer ye them that are entering to go in. He says, listen, you won't go in to meet with God, and you won't let others to go in to meet with God. He said, and you are hypocrites as a result. You, you, you stand there before people and pretend that you are some sort of a holy person, but in reality you're far from where you should be. They never prepared their heart to meet with God. Listen, they may have studied the Torah, they may have studied the scrolls, they may have uh, known all the laws that, that man had made and, and they had, may have washed their hands before they ever went in to eat and they'd done all the ceremonial things. But listen, they missed the most important and that was the heart. Listen, they were called of God to have a relationship with God, but they refused to enter the heavenly throne room of their heart. They barred the ways from allowing others to enter in because they would not prepare their heart. And then we find Christ condemns their hypocrisy. Then we read in the Bible, in Acts chapter 17, Paul brought word to the church in Berea. And now Berea was a church that the Bible speaks notably of. And when Paul brought the word of Jesus Christ, their response is a response that was a good response. It was holy and just response because what they did was they, they sought the word of God. Acts chapter 17 and verses 11 and 12. He says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. Notice what happened. Because they were willing to seek, they believed. Because they were willing to open their heart to the truth, then they, as a response, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the result. Whenever we say, God, my heart is ready, prepared, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But whenever the response was, as a student, God, I, my ears are open, and I'm ready to hear, I'm ready to receive, then what happened was as they became, became, uh, became believers in Jesus Christ. Their response was just to be an eager student. 
They didn't just rely on the speaker uh, of the Apostle Paul, but instead that what they thought and their desire was they wanted to learn the truth for themselves. This was the right heart, and it should be the right heart for godly men and women today in 2024. Today we live in a time when fables and, and tales are being, uh, are being spun, and they sound really good. And so now is time where we need discernment in the body of Christ. And we need to be able to say, you know what, this sounds good. It, it maybe itches the ear, but it's missing uh, the truth of God's Word. And we need to be able to, to discern that in this time. That we, like the church in Berea, would search the Scriptures. And so because of the great calling of God to know the Word of God, we begin with a heart then that must be prepared to meet with God. Let's pray together as we, uh, we begin. Father, thank you for Ezra, his example to prepare his heart. And Lord, we want to know your Word. Uh, Lord, we want in this day and age when we face uh, uh, cleverly de uh, devised fables and we face things that... Uh, it takes the discernment of our God to, to know. We just pray that you would help us, Lord, to prepare our heart tonight to meet with you. And that, God, it would just not be one night, but every day as we sit down to study the Word of God, Lord, that our hearts would be tender and receptive to your truth. So help us, we pray, as we just begin uh, in this series, Lord, and in this process uh, as a church to commit together to study the Word of God. Be like that church in Berea to search the Scriptures daily. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can rest upon it. Thank you, Lord, that it can holds the power of God. And we just pray that you'd help us to, to lean upon it day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so just a couple of things. We're not going to rush into Bible study. Good Bible study demands preparation. And this preparation, there's three things I want to share with you. And the very first and probably most important is if we're going to benefit from our Bible study is that we would sanctify our heart. Before the priest could go in and administer the sacrifices in the Old Testament temple, there was a time of preparation. Leviticus chapter 21 and verse number 8 says, Thou shalt sanctify him, talking of the priests, therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy God, and he shall be holy unto thee, for I, the Lord, which sanctify you, am holy. So there was a time of preparation for uh, these, uh, these priests as they went in to meet with the Lord. And so the very first thing that they were called to do was to cleanse their lives. And, and so this word sanctify here, uh, it means to, to, uh, to make as dedicated to God. It means to uh, either becoming more distinct or devoted or even morally pure. And so because God is holy and because of the holiness of God, there is a cleansing process that vessels in human form or those vessels that would have to be used in the temple worship would have to go through. And so we saw that played out in the Old Testament, that both Aaron and his sons and the priests that would follow after would go through this process of cleansing, but also all of the bowls and, the, uh, and everything that would be used in worship itself also went, uh, went through a cleansing process. The priests, as we see this, they would have to undergo their own process of sacrifice of sins. And so before they could ever enter into the holy place, they needed to make sure that they themselves had not, were not tainted by sin. Hebrews talks about this as he compares the Old Testament practices to Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 7 and verse 27, he says, "...who needeth not daily as those high priests..." 
to offer up sacrifice for his own sins. So he's, he's speaking of this comparison of Jesus Christ. He didn't need to offer sacrifice, but those Old Testament high priests would need to offer sacrifice because they had sinned. And so we see that, that God talks about this need for them to prepare their own heart. Human priests would have to have a cleansing of their sins so they would be worthy to enter to God's presence. This would require a blood sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the blood payment was made of a pure animal that was demanded. And so when Jesus came, He became the spotless Lamb of God. His death on the cross became the sin payment for our lives. And so we must run to Jesus. We must come to Him and plead the blood of the Lamb upon our lives. Someone once said, we need to search our hearts before we search the Scriptures. Listen, make sure our lives are right with God before we try to dig into His Word. In 1 Samuel chapter number 13, the people were fighting against the Philistines. And Saul was, uh, had a, a huge army of 3,000 measly soldiers. It was not very big, and it was split in two. He had 2,000, Jonathan had 1,000. They weren't, wasn't a very big uh, army. And they were going against the Philippine, Philippines. <laughs> Philistines, a big difference there. The Philistines mustered an army of 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen and footmen. And the Bible says whose number was so high, the Bible says the people were as the sand which is upon the seashore. Now, I don't know what that means, but I know it's a lot of folks against 3,000 soldiers. Now, I was not in the military, but I know enough to know that there's not much hope for the Israelite army. And so Saul, Saul was becoming impatient. Saul was supposed to wait for Samuel. And Saul was supposed to wait seven days for Samuel to arrive. Samuel would offer sacrifice. God asked God to intercede for them so they could go down and into, the, into battle with the Philistines. But instead of being patient, instead of waiting on God, King Saul took the matters into his own hands. Look in 1 Samuel 13 in your Bibles. And, and as we look here, we're going to read several verses together. But what happened was instead of uh, trusting God and trusting God's timing, trusting God uh, in, in, uh, in God's Word, instead what he did, was, he did what he was forbidden to do. Instead of preparation, Saul rushed through his offering. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 6 through 14, it says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves. And so, obviously, Saul was anxious. The army was hiding in caves and thickets and rocks and high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. They were deathly afraid. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of, the, of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. Now, you can just, I always picture Saul as this big, arrogant, and boastful kind of a guy. And listen to, listen to his response. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Well, because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. 
Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which He commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord commanded him to be captain over his, over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. You see, Saul's sin in this, in this moment... Was, was driven by his fear of all that was going on. He was afraid he was going to lose the army. He was afraid that uh, the Philistines were going to come and they were going to defeat them. He was afraid, afraid, afraid. And his fear caused him to sin against the Lord. And if you go to chapter number 16, you're going to see that God did select another man. And God selected his man, King David. And he rejected Saul on this day. Listen, as we prepare to meet with the Lord, we can learn from King Saul a couple of things. One, don't rush through it. You're not in a hurry. Uh, we're, how many of you always feel like you're in a hurry in life? I'm, my dad, he just recently retired, and, uh, and he said, I have so much to do. He said, I don't know how I ever had time to work. And if you've retired, you can probably sympathize with him a little bit. But listen, the, the Word of God is so precious, and it's so important. We can't rush through things. We've got to wait upon the Lord. Secondly, we must get our heart right. Saul rebelled against God because his heart was not right with the Lord. His response was not one of faith, but one of fear. And so this cleansing process is important because it causes us to cultivate a dependence. And that's very important. We must depend upon the Lord. So not only do we need a cleansing, but we need also a dependence. And we see, uh, as we desire to be cleansed, but listen, in the cleansing process, what we're confessing is, listen, I cannot do a spiritual work without God's help. Listen, we need God to help us, amen? And, and when Jesus Christ was here, He told His disciples that the Holy Spirit he would be their God. We've shared this with you earlier, John 16, 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Listen, the Spirit of God guides the earnest believer into understanding truth. It's truth that our natural man is not able to see or discern. And so we need God's help in this matter. And that's why God gave you the Holy Spirit. That's why uh, He tells you to let the Holy Spirit be your guide uh, in Bible study. And the Holy Spirit's not going to boast of Himself. The Holy Spirit's going to point you to the truth about Jesus. The, whole, the Apostle Paul when he was standing in the gap and he was talking about talking to uh, the church in Corinth and he was trying to encourage this church that is divided. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 14, he warned them that the natural man is spiritually discerned. He says this, But the natural man receiveth not the things of, God, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Why? The natural man is not uh, 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 led by the Spirit of God. The natural man doesn't have the Spirit of God. And so he says this, They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, in my own power, in my own ability, I cannot grasp the truth of God's Word. I can, I, and, and so that is why we must completely and totally depend on God's Spirit to guide us. Now, as we go along, I'll encourage you to purchase some tools, maybe to have on your home bookshelf, and there's some things I'll introduce to you uh, that can help your Bible study to understand certain words in the Bible. But listen, uh, we are, we're not depending upon man's words. We want to depend upon God's Word and God's Spirit to trust us, to, to teach us. All right, so we sanctify our hearts. Second thing, we have to sacrifice our will. Now, this is, this is also very vital in, in our Bible study 
Because if we're honest, we're all full of some self-will. We know what we want. We want it now. Amen. We don't often speak, uh, and, and often what I see is we don't often seek to do what's, uh, do, excuse me, let, me, let me rephrase this. We don't often seek to do our, uh, uh, the things that God would want us to do. Instead, we oftentimes seek to just say, listen, God, I've got an agenda, I've got an axe to grind, and I'm looking in my Bible study to find some, some way to be able to uh, dispense righteous judgment on somebody else around me. So we come at the Bible and we're like, I'm going to find my, uh, my bat so I can beat someone over the head with it. But in this, it's not about my will. It's not about, listen, I've, I come to the Bible with my preconceived notions. Instead, I'm coming to the Bible as a blank slate. Lord, teach me your word. Whatever your will is, Lord, that's what I want. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when we saw Jesus Christ there bowed under the weight of, uh, of what was before him, he was willing to cry, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. The Apostle Paul, when he was uh, confessing that he struggled with this old man, a new man, and this, earth, this battle with, uh, with the flesh, he says in Romans 7, 23-25, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And listen to what he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. So then I, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul found the answer was through Christ. And so that's why we have to be willing to come to the Word of God when we come to Bible study and say, God, I surrender my agenda, and today I just want to, to follow you. How do we do that? Prayer. When I was a student... I remember spending lots of times studying textbooks, and we would, we would give, be given uh, maybe Charles Ryrie's basic theology in one class, and then another class we, would have to, we weren't given. We had to buy the book. And then we had another book we would have to, uh, have to buy for this class, and, and, and there, was a, there were several books. I think there was one book in particular. I can't even remember which class it is now and what book it was, but I got it in plastic wrap, and at the end of the semester, it was still in the plastic wrap. Anybody have classes where you had, yes. Wasn't that such a blessing? You're like, you need this $75 book, but you're never going to use it. Okay, thank you, thank you. Because money is so easy when you're in college. But listen, we would spend a lot of time studying textbooks, but there's a difference in studying a textbook for a test and the Bible. Because the Bible, the, the main difference is, I can't talk to the author of my textbook, but I can talk to the author of the Word of God. And listen, when we study God's revelation, we also get to study the revealer of the revelation. We get to talk to the revealer of the revelation. We get to come to Him in prayer. And so the best way to understand the Bible is to talk to God. In Psalms 119, there's a little prayer that we ought to memorize. And it's recorded here because I, I think it, God wants us to see the value of it in our life. In verse number 18, it says simply this, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. In my uh, personal prayer list, this verse is in my personal prayer list. I wanted, I wanted just, just to be reminded that, that I want God to help me to see what is already in His Word. Why? why? Why do we need that? Because sometimes we can be in such a hurry, or we can be uh, just distracted, or we can just simply not see what God's Word has. 
And so ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to open your eyes to His Word. Unless God's Spirit opens your eyes to see the truths in His Bible, all, the th- all of your studying can be a wasted effort. So a healthy prayer life is essential. It's needed to tapping into the power of an infinitely powerful God. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we see prayer is important. Secondly, persistence. Now, all of us, uh, even the most disciplined person, has a lazy bone somewhere. Amen? Think of your Saturday mornings. Man, that alarm goes off. Man, I, I, I try to keep my routine pretty much the same every day of the week. That way it's easier to get up. Uh, but I tell you, there's some Saturday mornings or there's some mornings if I'm, if I'm not scheduled to be somewhere first thing in the morning, I'm like, man, I just want to sleep through that thing and just ignore it and ignore it. The, the alarm sounds and the snooze button can be too tempting. Listen, when the work becomes hard, when I'm just ready to give up, it can be easy for me to just, instead of being persistent, just to just to quit. But listen, if we're going to be willing and ready students of the Word of God, it requires a sacrifice of our will. God, not my will, but thine be done. God, I don't want to get out of bed on this cold morning to study my Bible, but I will. Lord, I don't want to leave the comforts of this bed, but I will because you are more important. God, I don't want to I stay up late because this is, uh, I've got other things to do, but God, I, I, want to, I want, Lord, you above everything else. Listen, persistence is the quality that allows someone uh, to continue doing something or trying to do something even though it is difficult or opposed by people. There was an elderly lady who was once asked by a young man who had grown weary in in the fight whether he ought to give up in the struggle that he was going through. He said, I'm just beaten every time. He said, I just feel like I just need to give up. She replied in her great wisdom, Did you ever notice that when the Lord told the discouraged fishermen to cast their nets again, it was right at the same old spot where they had been fishing all night and had caught nothing? One of the blessings of going through trials is learning persistence. Now this Bible word is also uh, patience, if you will. Romans chapter 5 teaches this in verses 3 through 5. And he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. This word patience is associated with that word persistence. Patience is the ability to continue to plod even when things are difficult. I'm just going to continue. James 1.3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It gives you the ability to continue. William Carey who was a great English Baptist pastor or missionary, excuse me, he went to India and he suffered setbacks and trials and problems and and all kinds of things. Yet he was a man who didn't have necessarily great talents or resources or wealth or or support, but what he claimed was, he said, I'm just simply a plotter. Let Let me read to you what he wrote. He said, if after my removal, anyone should think it is worthwhile to write my life, I will give you a criterion which, uh, uh, by which you may judge of its correctness. If he will give me credit for being a plotter, he will describe me justly. I can plod. I can persevere in any def- uh, definite pursuit. 
You see, when we come into the Word of God, we've got, we've got to be willing to say, listen, I know there's going to be days where I don't want to. There's going to be days where maybe I, I'm just weary, my flesh is worn out, and we have a choice. We can be like those, uh, those disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane that give up and they go to sleep, or we can choose to say, Lord, You are important, and I'm going to continue to sacrifice my will to Yours. So we sanctify our hearts. We sacrifice our will and finally tonight, we see we must seize the mind. Peter encouraged the first Corinthian church or first century church to have their minds fit for the work before them. In 1 Peter 1.13, he said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your minds, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter wanted this church to, that, uh, to, to grab hold of, to be serious-minded about some great truths that he was about to unveil. And he says, listen, rem, rem, let me remind you uh, that we are coming to a place that you need to listen closely. Seize your mind. Capture these things if you can. So how do we do this? One, we have a readiness that we develop in our life. When Christ was here, one of the very first messages he gave was what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And there he gave the Beatitudes. And one of those in verse number 6 was, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And what's the, what's the response? For they shall be filled. You see, when we come to the Word of God hungry, we, we, were ne we will never leave disappointed. When we come to the Word of God saying, Lord, I'm eagerly seeking from Your Word some help, some truth, some hope. Today, I'm just trusting that You've got what I need today in Your Word. Listen, I have never left the Word of God disappointed when my heart is ready to receive. Isaiah 55 verse 11 said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Isn't that good? It says, But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So when it comes time for Bible study, I must take my thoughts that are trying to stray captive. Have you ever noticed that? you ever sat down to study your Bible? And everything in the world comes up except what you need to think about. Man, I could, be, I could be not even have it on my mind, and I open my Bible, and something from like three months ago pops into my mind. Or maybe instead my mind goes the opposite direction and something three months from now pops into my mind. So what does that even matter? Listen, I've got to keep, keep, take those thoughts and bring them into captivity. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this process then of bringing my thoughts to bear on the Scriptures is a learned process. And there are times where, uh, and there are still times where I have to do two things in order to bring those thoughts into captivity. The first thing I try to do, if I find myself and my mind wandering, is any of those thoughts that come to seem to come to mind is I want to write those things down. So if it's an agenda for the day, if it's problems that I'm carrying, if it's burdens or whatever it may be, things I'm trying to work through, listen, I just write those down. I just get those down. I write them down. They can they can get out of my way, get out of my head. Second thing is. I trick myself. Now, my dad taught me this trick years ago, and I, and I still. So if I'm having a hard time just sitting down, devoting myself to study, I set myself a time limit. I, growing up, I, I was not a big reader. Matter of fact, I didn't like to read at all. And so dad told me, he said, all right, son, this is what you got to do. He said, you just got to set a timer, 15 minutes, you pick up a book and you read it for 15 minutes, and then that's all you got to do for 15 minutes. And then when you're done, you get up and go play. 
And so I would do that, and I would find that in 15 minutes' time, I'm into the, the storyline, I'm enjoying the plot, I'm no, I like what I'm doing. Next thing I know, it's been 30 minutes, it's been 45 minutes. Listen, there's times where I've applied this to my Bible study, and I said, okay, so if I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to do this for 20 minutes, and maybe I set a timer, I'm not going to let anything else come between me and studying my Bible for the next 20 minutes, uh, and put the, turn the phone off, uh, maybe uh, if you, uh, I would highly recommend using a paper Bible in Bible study just because of the distraction issue. But being able to say, listen, I'm just going to devote all my attention for the next 15 or 20 minutes to this. The next thing you know, you're going to be into it. You're going to be finding answers to questions, and we'll share some of those with you in a minute. But you're going to be seeing all of this come together, and the next thing you know, you're going to continue and continue and continue. You see, being ready for Bible study means, one, I have my Bible. Secondly, I have tools out, maybe paper and pen open, ready to receive. And listen, I want to make sure everything is prepared, and so is my mind. And then when these are ready to go, I can do the work of God without interruption. So we must be ready. Secondly, we must be watchful. The biblical word for watch means to be alert, to be awake, uh, to be cognizant of what's going on. And this is very appropriate, not only for the Lord's coming, as Mark 13, 37 encourages, but it's also appropriate for our Bible study. Remember 2 Timothy 2, 15, we quoted it earlier, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The idea is, is that there will be a day of accounting ahead. One day I will stand before God. One day I will give an account of how I treated the Word of God, how I, uh, how I approached my Bible study. Uh, am I giving it my very best? Have I erred in my interpretation? Listen, how do we do this? How do we become more watchful of the Word? We're going to give you some methods uh, coming forward, uh, not tonight. Uh, but you can ask important questions as you're reading your Bible. Things like, what does this passage say about God? What does this pa passage teach me about relationships? Or how does this pa passage uh, describe a sin and how I should be careful with it? What should I do with what I've learned from this passage? You see, questions are important to helping me stay awake, helping me to uh, be able to engage my mind with what I'm learning. So as you seek uh, the Word of God, seek the Word of God with questions. You're being watchful for answers. And that's why it's important to have that notebook, have your Bible, your pen ready. Listen, I don't believe you can have good Bible study without being willing to write things down. You see, because everything, and going forward, you'll see the importance of this. If you're not a writer, it doesn't matter. What you're doing is you take, uh, when you take your thoughts that you've learned from the Scripture and you apply them uh, through the pen, they become permanent in the heart. And so I want to encourage you to be willing to spend time with an open Bible, an open uh, journal, and be willing to write things down that God is teaching you. Thirdly, we see we must have an obedient heart. I want to go back to King Saul. We talked about him earlier. I'm going to share with you one more instance in 1 Samuel chapter 15. He had received clear instructions regarding the Amalekites. God had told him, listen, it, when you go into the, uh, to the land of the Amalekites, you're going to go in, you're going to destroy every person, you're going to destroy all the cattle, and there is nothing going to be left when you leave that place. Well, he didn't obey completely. He partially obeyed. He mostly obeyed. And when he heard the instructions, he, he, he heard the instructions, but when he saw the riches of the land, he kind, of, he kind of compromised a little bit. 
And so he saw the sheep and he saw the oxen and he said, well, these are going to be for sacrifice. Let's look at what he says. First Samuel chapter 15, as, as Samuel uh, um, approaches King Saul about this sin, he said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Again, King Saul learned a hard lesson that there is a need for obedience. Obedience demonstrates trust. Obedience demonstrates humility. Obedience demonstrates a love for God. And so when we study the Bible, we're not coming with a, a personal agenda. Listen, I'm going to go to the Word of God, and whatever it is God has teaching me, that's what I want to be my lesson for that day and for my life. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to obey. So before you ever pick up the Bible... Commit beforehand, I will simply obey. I recently read a story of a high school student who wanted to go swimming, and, and it was kind of late at night, and he thought it'd be fun to grab his girlfriend and go down the block where there was a, a neighbor who had an in-ground pool. And so he got his, his little girlfriend, and they went down there, and it was dark, and there were signs on the gate and the fence that said, no trespassing, do not enter, all across the, the fence. And they scaled the fence, went over there, and he got on the diving board, and he was going to show off some of his diving skills, and he had got to the end, and about the time she got to the end, she looked in the pool and saw there was one foot of water. But it was too late. He was in the air going headfirst into the water, into the pool. That mistake of not obeying, of missing, of ignoring the signs didn't kill him, but it did cost him. He still, even today, has an effect, has been affected by the head injury he, re he received that night. Before we ever jump in the Bible, we need to determine that we will obey what God has shown us. Joshua, as he was getting ready to depart and, uh, and lay down the, the, the reins of leadership, he instructs the children of Israel and he says, but take diligent heed. He says, listen closely to what the Word of God. He said, take diligent heed to the commandments and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and to cleave unto them and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. You know what he was saying? Choose today to be obedient. Later in Joshua 24, he would say those words that many of us have posted in our home, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when you come to your Bible study, we ought to say, as for John and John alone, I will be obedient to the Word of God. Listen, that ought to be our heart's cry as we come to the Word of God. You see, as we prepare for the work of mining for the riches of God's Word and mining for gold, we, ought to, we are called to prepare this heart. The process of preparation also is not just required, but it precedes blessings. Think about a few of these scriptures with me. In 2 Kings 3.16, there would have been no water in the ditches if the ditches weren't dug. 2 Kings 3.16 says, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And God used those not only to quench the thirst, but also uh, to deliver the Israelites. There would have been no oil unless the vessels had, uh, were not gathered. 2 Kings 4.3, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. And so, once again, there must 
must have been obedience. There would be no healing until Naaman the leper had dipped seven times. 2 Kings 5.10, Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. There would be no harvest unless the ground had been broken up. Hosea 10.12, Sow yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. There is no reconciliation without repentance. Joel 2.12-13, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even unto me with all your heart, and with fasting, with weeping and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repent in Him of the evil. There is no entrance, and listen, there is no entrance into heaven without cleansing. Revelation 7, 13 and 14. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, preparation is essential. And God's calling you not only to prepare your heart for Bible study, but to prepare for heaven by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't, the Bible says that there is no eternal home in heaven for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?